Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray. I have my incredible co-host with me, Drew Haskins. Hi, everyone. And for episode five of season five, which we have recently uh, pointed out is the episode before the episode, but an episode nonetheless, (laughs) Vulture Culture Writer, Jason P. Frank. Hi, I'm so excited to discuss the episode before the episode with you. Yeah, <laughs> it is almost a little rude that we invited you on. I think inviting anyone our episode. Yeah, I think inviting anyone on for this episode is rude, but I'll accept. I accept. <laughs> for those not in the in the know, which I wasn't until mere hours ago, next week is the Panic in Central Park episode, which is maybe the best episode of girls um it, it's like top three episodes of tv ever for me yeah i i might i might go there with you it it's is great. it is a masterpiece <laughs> and it is really hard to talk about an episode that is not the panic in central part given that it's yeah. looming um and it feels looming in this episode because there's no marnie it's mm. like you're holding back i can tell you're holding back on marnie content here that she's literally not in it yeah. yeah, they You're say in tsunamis fun. the ocean recedes before the <laughs> wave crashes, and that's kind of yeah. what this felt like a little bit. Yeah, the it, last you yeah. see of Marnie is her being like, so, like losing herself in Desi in the previous episode, which is mm-hmm. awful. I I I was like, I watched the previous episode to prep for this, and I was so repulsed by what I was seeing with him and the tank top and the wall. Oh. The, the tank up in the wall really just Mm-mm. tortured. Yeah. Yeah. You are catching me at this moment mere minutes. Um, well, not mere, I mean a half hour ago before my four o'clock meeting. I finished the bear season finale, season two finale, finally, oh, after yeah. like kicking the can on it for two months. Um, to watch Eben Moss Backcrack. I feel like I butcher that name every time. Um you know, play good Desi essentially on that show and like really get it together. Um, and then having to come back and watch Desi proper, it is, it's a study in contrast for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great way to put it. He's, he's off, he's so repulsive on the show. And actually, as long, if it wasn't going to be Panic in Central Park, I'm excited to talk about an episode that doesn't have Desi in it. That's a good point. No Marnie, no Desi. We do. We're missing Marnie's beautiful uh, aura, but we are also not missing. De- uh, I don't know. I feel like we are. Oh God, I'm I'm afraid for what's coming with Desi. I know it's there's a lot to unpack with him for the rest of the season. Like say this for the writers of Girls, and you can say a lot because they are geniuses in many ways, but that character could be so one note in how terrible he is, but they really do find new complex ways to make him uniquely yeah. awful every single week. Um, and that's writing. That's and just and writing. to have Marnie's relationship with him be uniquely awful every single yeah. week, I would say. Like every week I'm I'm like shouting at her anew as if she couldn't sleep lower. <laughs> so Jason, what is your history with Girls the Show? How did you come to it? I okay, I think I I I started watching the show in eighth grade, is I, I realized this recently. I found like a torrenting website and I like this was a show I watched because I was like at that point I was like obsessed with like Vulture and AV Club uh, and whatnot. And this was the most talked about show. So I I started it. And I think one thing, and I I would read all of the recaps as it was going along. And one thing that I remember is not really understanding when I was first watching it because I was fully 14, like why people thought it was a comedy. Like I was enchanted by it. And it wasn't like, I was like, this is an intense drama, but I didn't get what was funny about it. I was just kind of enchanted by the world that they were creating. And then I remember going back to it probably like senior year of high school or something after having watched um the at least the first part of it when I was like fully like not fully pubescent yet and I being like oh this is actually really funny I I understand what people are I understand what people are talking about now uh and I think that that 
really sold me on the show permanently because I I think it made me understand like how intense the world building is. Like I I know that it's just based in, in um like on reality, like it's very naturalistic, but I do think it's a very intensely and smartly built world that they do on this show that's very uh, enchanting. And they like the character, like when you see the end of season one and all of these characters return, you're like, wow, like a lot of, you introduced me to a lot of people and I'm excited to see them all again. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like that's an underrated aspect of the show that because of its naturalism, it doesn't really get credit for. But I I would say it's a very well-built show. And then I I mean, since then, I I just watched like a few episodes, like, you know, every month or something. I'm just like, well, I I just want to watch girls. Like I've watched too much Sex in the City and I need to watch some girls as like an acid to that show's like fantasy dessert. No, I've been currently watching those two shows in tandem. And mm-hmm. once again, study in contrast, like the fantasy of that show is, this is a point that has been made before in even on this podcast, but like there is no glamour whatsoever in the world of girls. And it is kind right. of refreshing to see a New York show and also just a show about people who are, you know, living in their mid-20s and, like, trying to make it in media and arts and all that, like, that is just completely devoid of any sort of, like, aspirational element. Um, Yeah, and I would even go as... Oh, go on. Yeah, I was just gonna say that, like, yeah, it's necessary, and, like, I think that anytime a a character tries to reach for that glamour, they're, like, struck down. Like, no, you don't get this. Um, you get to be masturbating in the bathroom of an art gallery. You don't get to be like nicely in love with this man. Like that's what you get. So yeah, I do a have a realities. Yeah. I do have a follow-up question. Um, what is it like to watch girls as a 13 year old? Cause that is yeah, not something um, Julia and I got to do. Yeah. I, I don't think, I think there, like there was something aspirational about it for me which now I'm like what are you thinking about but like just the fact that they are like so clearly having uh almost adult problems was so Mm -hmm. exciting like I I was like oh my problems are so stupid like they're like grappling with the world and I'm grappling with like how to annotate for the first time (laughs) like this is my problems suck and I think that that was like I think also it was one of the first times that I had seen after college depicted like that period before you're a parent but not like but you have graduated college and I think that that was really exciting because that period doesn't get shown a lot I think most of the time in like rom-coms or something they're like a little they're a little bit older because you need to want them to like get married and stuff um or if they are like 24 then um they're like still somehow ready to get married or like they're like Cameron Diaz in my best friend's wedding who's like 21 and you're Mm -hmm. like oh but you're to me, depicted as an adult, um, like even if you're a little more childish than the other characters. But this, I think, was the first time I really saw post-college life. And I was like so enchanted by that. And now I'm like, you guys are all a mess. I would never be friends with any of you. You're the worst. I mean, I love the show, obviously, but like uh, you are awful. And I don't see it as as aspirational. But I think that that was a real change uh, that happened for me. Mm-hmm. So... You know, you mentioned that you hate all of them, wouldn't be friends with any of them, but the essential question that we ask all of our guests is which one are you, if you have yeah. to identify? Yeah, I was talking with Rebecca. Rebecca was on your podcast a, like a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was talking. Week, yeah. It was literally last week. Wow, you really yeah. like, no, we should probably go to Vulture soon. Uh, it's Vulture week. It's Vulture week. Yeah, here. it's <laughs> Vulture week. Okay. Um, and... I think her answer of like Ray and Shosha's baby was really, was really beautiful. I think I'm like, if that, that one time that Elijah and Marnie had sex, like if that produced a child, uh, I think that would be me. That is maybe my favorite answer that we've ever had to this question. (laughs) I mean, both of you with the, with the creative answers, I, you know, I think we're, I'm a classic Hannah Shosh and yeah. Drew, Drew Zamarni. I could never even imagine being a child of. Well, who would I be a child of? No, no, no. I'm, I'm sticking with the cusp. 
I think mm -hmm. like if I were a child, I I think I would also be an Elijah Marnie. Like this is why we have big thinkers on this podcast because yeah. I would have never even considered that as an option for an answer to that question. Um, yeah, like when Elijah and Marnie fight about rent in the season one finale, like that's like my internal monologue. That's not <laughs> like, that's not me fighting with someone else. That's me in my own head. Me to me. Yeah, so I, I would say that. Yeah, I'm really excited to get, I mean, I think we're a season away at this point, but I'm really excited to get into Elijah's musical theater journey on this show. Oh my like, God. I know. I'm like, whenever, when he does, let me be your star, like, let me send in a voice note. I have thoughts. Like, that's really, that's really oh, a special we moment do for that. me. We should do, like, <laughs> listener mail. I love that idea. <laughs> yeah. True. Write that down. We need to yes, do that. Yes, I'm scrolling <laughs> it down, like, furiously. Um <laughs> So should we get into the episode that is not the episode we all actually want to talk about, but is- no. I yes. loved this episode. Okay. I I loved, honestly, I loved every second of it, but yeah, I think- Yeah, I mean, Loreen is great. She's yes. fantastic. And just the, the comedy of this women's retreat. Um, but mm -hmm. before we get into it, we should cover what happened last week. Sure. So last week, Jessa and Adam finally broke the seal on their will they, won't they, and got together. Hannah and Fran clashed over their dueling grading styles. Um, Marty and Desi fought about building a wall in their studio apartment, and it was awful. And Jessa and Hannah finally broke up as friends at a rice pudding restaurant that may or may not be a allegedly a criminal front. So... <laughs> Oh, I, love I did it. like this episode way more than last week's. Yeah, me too. Oh, interesting. It's revving up. I mean, I I, lo I liked both a lot, but like I said a moment ago, I feel like just the comedy, having the women's retreat, retreat as the centerpiece really worked for me. Yeah. I was struck in this episode, I think because of the removal of Marnie, I think I've shown so many people like the first two seasons or maybe three over the years that um, I'm like used to Shosh being very much the fourth. Like it's mm -hmm. like these are the three and then Shosh is the fourth. Like that happens a lot on this show, especially in those first few seasons. Like she doesn't really get a lot of scenes of her own. She's mostly, mostly interacting with the other girls. Like she's seen through their eyes. Um, and then in this episode, I was really struck that it's like a three-parter. Like, it's like really those three girls equivalently and Shosha's treated equally uh, as a part of this. Yeah. Um, and I was also really struck that we don't get any interaction between the girls at all. Yeah, I think one of the things we've kind of realized in the way that we structure this podcast and how we talk about this show, I would say half of the episodes are missing a girl and half of that half, a quarter, if you will, are mm -hmm. like they're not interacting at all. It's it's a yeah. weird um structure. It's not really how you think about this show, but like it's it is they really do play around with structure a ton. Yeah, they do. I mean, that's like I think that is like one of the like the I the willingness to play along with play around with structure, I think is one of like the hallmarks of the show to me. Um as I mean, and you'll like obviously double get into that next week. Uh, but I also think that it is really helpful to just have that be part of the language of your show when you're telling the story about girls who are growing apart, which is mm -hmm. what the show is doing, right? Like they're like with Beach House as the kind of major schism, I think the show is largely about people who were close in their 20s and then grow apart. And that's like, okay. And adding Elijah as like an extra girl in that like also helps with uh, that because she becomes much more important in Hannah's life for like m m many, many seasons than any of the actual girls are, yeah. which I think is fascinating to do. So the fact that that is like th that you can have an episode where none of them really speak is built into the uh, like built into the language of the show is really, really helpful for that. Yeah. And it is interesting to contrast that with Lorene's main emotional arc which I mean we'll cover in more detail but she eventually decides to not break her life apart not schiz like form a schism with the relationships that have mm -hmm. formed her so far and she goes back to something that's comforting and safe for her which is very much not what the rest of them except for sort of Marnie end up doing I mean yeah Hannah a little yeah. in a way I would say like 
it the like key the key moment to me in the Loreen arc in this episode is when she goes like if it was 20 years ago I could and somehow Hannah doesn't really hear that part in this episode yeah. like in the next episode we see her like the the coda to the next episode is seeing her with Fran again um but she kind of takes the message that she shouldn't break up with Fran which she clearly should like he's such an asshole in the previous episode sorry like I am so anti-Fran in the previous mm-hmm. episode um uh and I think that like she somehow sees herself like she has internalized her mom's fear so intensely over the years and I think is still doing so mm-hmm. um and, but I think that her like not hearing that Lorene would break up with with her dad if it was 20 years ago is like a key part of Hannah like she sees herself as Lorene now mm-hmm. right that's a really good point yeah that that is a really good point much uh, yeah much to think about with that like I mean it- we don't really get a ton of Hannah and Loreen two-handers on this mm-hmm. show. Like the last one we got was the um when Hannah's grandma's dying, which another Flow. top tier yeah. episode of this show. So um, good. Very underrated. But I mean, just for context, so Hannah and Loreen are driving upstate to spring queening a two-day <laughs> women's retreat um for older, like divorcees and singles to get some sort of spiritual healing during troubled times um and hannah why i didn't i didn't really get a good reason like why hannah was on this trip just besides to go with her mom and do something because if i were lorreen i would not have brought hannah who i was thinking about that i was like this does Lorene not have any friends? Like that, I mean, we've never met any of Lorene fr- Lorene's friends. Like, does Lorene not have any friends? Is a major question for me well, within the, this episode. The one time we did meet Lorene's friends, the episode where Hannah's dad comes out, it's revealed that she had an affair with her friend's husband, Fred Melamed. Oh, right. So I that's that. like I wouldn't bring that friend on. This. <laughs> this no, is I think that's probably. Me. I could also see Lorene using this as an opportunity to like spend the weekend with her daughter. You know, it it like kind of makes sense to me. And it sounds like something like before you get there and if you're not thinking about it hard enough, it sounds like something you could do with your daughter, like a women's retreat. Yeah, that's sure. That's it's just so not Hannah. It's like, how could you possibly think that this would go well with this woman? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, so much of the weekend is about Lorene trying to find her sex drive again and oh. figure out how to deal with her loneliness post-divorce. And she's excited about some aspects. Like she says that sex has been even better for her because there's less pressure. Um, and like she's using it as this pivot point, but like Hannah obviously can't relate to any of this beyond just supporting her mom. So what you gonna do? I was delighted to see Brendan Scott Jones in this episode mm-hmm. as the guy who keeps trying to take his phone away. No, there's two incredible guest stars in this episode, which is yeah. great to have. Brandon Scott Jones and then Lena Hall is incredible in this. Yes. So I I'm not a headwig head, so apologies. Oh, okay. But Ju- no. like and Julie, you're not much of a musical theater person, right? Not really. Okay. Is Brendan Scott Jones a theater or a musical? No, theater? they're no. like in that like gay old comedy scene. Like they were, they like they were in the other two. Um, That's what I was yeah. just saying. I literally I was watching an old episode of the other two and then the other day, and yeah. then I mm-hmm. in this, and I was like, "There's no way Drew doesn't know who this is. Drew's gonna know his name immediately. Drew yeah. knows every like side character's <laughs> name." on every yeah. episode well it's, i have to go on imdb for everything too and this it goes for all shows not just girls like figuring out who the guest stars are like it's just part of my ocd um that. but i really like him and the other two and i get clips from he's in like the biggest comedy on tv right now too like ghosts on cbs which i oh don't, yeah he is on ghosts yeah yes. i don't watch that but apparently he's like the best part of the show on it so um good for him but lena hall is a tony winner for hedwig and the angry inch the musical 
with Neil Patrick Harris, like that revival. From yeah, but I, I will say it. I saw it with John Cameron Mitchell. So that's my little flex instead of the embarrassing one. Yeah. I got and the we, cool one. John Cameron Mitchell, another perfect girls guest another star. Yes. Guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's and so good on that show. There are, I mean, I just want to dog whistle to the fans in the audience who knows this too, but Lena Hall was also a contestant on uh, The Search for the Legally Next Blonde. Woods. Yeah. <laughs> Legally Blonde, the musical, The Search for the Next Elle Woods. Uh, oh, but if you watch it, yes, yes. Wow. which is like wrong. No, it's not uh, right. Not they like try. keep being like, you're an, you have an amazing voice and you're so talented, but you'd be fucking terrible in this part. And she's like, what do you want me to do? Uh, and then she gets sent home. Um, but what, also what I would about? recommend to any people who haven't watched that program, watch it now. She went by a different name then. You can play a fun game, which is guess which one is Lena Hall. Yes. Ooh. And it's all on YouTube. I watched it in college and was, and mind you, I'm not a huge like musical theater person, but it is a very good reality TV show. And I do think more theater competition shows should take place in the world of musical theater because that's it is, completely correct. There are a lot of big personalities. Yeah. 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 They're all insane and they're all incredibly competitive. Like that's just the yeah. issue with this show though, is that they haven't, they didn't get a lot of like, seasoned like people who have been turned down a lot it's a lot of like 21 year olds and the best broadway people are the people who are like mean and have been turned down a lot like there's a lot of perky Pardon. people on this one and i don't i don't really think of musical theater people as perky once they get past the age of like 24 uh because they've all been rejected so many times yeah i <laughs> it i agree with that i mean i don't want to co-sign the notion that like desperation and you know just being downtrodden by the world's like opinions of you makes for compelling television but like that is no that's true, true. that makes yeah, compelling television I didn't say it's a good thing I like I, I I don't want people to be downtrodden but I do think it makes good <laughs> tv and there are people who are downtrodden like mm -hmm. that already exists I'm not supporting and, that part and <laughs> if there are people who are downtrodden a camera should be on them at all times yes yes <laughs> okay. correct yes. yes perfection um speaking of downtrodden people we run into the other people at the singles retreat happy with the cake happy with the c barb with the b and coco who i recognize from law and order svu You're oh fun going every single side character but i, I didn't know that one i feel <laughs> I, I was like i was with you until svu so i i feel a little lost now Everyone except for the three of us on this Zoom have been on SV at this point. So like odds yeah, are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you are. could just say that and no one would question it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I did really like how this retreat skewered. I feel like it, since this episode, a lot of shows have skewered the women's empowerment retreat. Um, and this one definitely felt a little fresher and ahead of the curve. I laughed a lot yeah. when the orientation leader was like so none of you women thought to ask where orientation was <laughs> like step into yeah. your town that's the exact kind of gimmicky shit that like one of these self-help retreats would do yes also, I felt like my like, favorite part was when um they like went around and they were all like this they didn't really underline it but when they had all clearly just like bounced between these retreats like it wasn't helping them but it was all they were doing and that like subtle note of like it just be like this is how these women are living is just continually going to women's empowerment retreats is right. I thought I think that's a really great note yeah and I mean all of these retreats look dreadful too like the little <laughs> montage they do of like the trust falls and like the blind leading the blind relay races or whatever I was like mm -hmm. this you're just making friends at this which I guess is no crime but like how is this helping you <laughs> it looks so dreadful like I would hate women if I it would make me hate women going <laughs> to this retreat I I I love um the shot of their like gyrating around the room and Lena Hall's like lead with your shoulders lead with your cunt <laughs> yeah it's just that that is not that does not resonate with me I oh my god it yeah. perfect and and you can see it's not resonating with Hannah either but and you wouldn't think it would resonate with Lorene's character but she is buying into it 
which you know she she's trying on something something new in this midlife crisis yeah i think she's just trying to figure out herself and just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks like Mm -hmm. she also the other theme in this episode we kind of glossed over the scene where she and hannah are unpacking in their shared room and hannah okay i noticed this and this drove me crazy hannah gets into bed next to her mom and like Bert and Ernie twin beds like in a bra top and no pants or underwear did y'all notice that that drove me crazy I for did. some reason I was like Ick. Uh, anyway I would never do that with my parents That's but um cool. like she is um like Loreen is trying to tell Hannah not to give up on Fran because he's so nice and nice guys are hard to come by but that's mm-hmm. just so not what Hannah thrives in yeah, it's it's also an interesting note before the conversation they have later when Lorene is saying, you know, I would have left Tad if it were 20 years ago, but now it's just he's a really nice guy and that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she says, Lorene says Hannah's incapable of loving someone who's kind to her. So it's just, you really see Hannah internalizing a lot of what her mom's going through and, you know, like one I don't remember which one of you said this but like feeling like her mom in her midlife crisis rather than Hannah at the age of 23 or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah I I think it's really interesting like like what fucked Hannah up is kind of like the game that they're playing in this episode where Lorene is like constantly bouncing between like oh like Tad and I fucked you up or then like another time she blames it on Adam that Hannah like can't fall in love with can't be like fully in love with Fran um and I think that like Lorene's ability to like avoid being at fault for anything that's going on in Hannah is uh like a constant theme with their interaction you see it a lot in flow where she's like constantly shouting about how or like saying like how much her mother fucked her up and then like not and then continually like turning around and fucking Hannah up too. Like you see that that you see that progression a lot in that episode. And I think it kind of comes back here. I read, I remember reading, it might've been in like, I used to love the LA review book, LA review of books, reviews of girls. Those are great. If anyone can unearth them, I don't know if they're still up even. Um, But I remember someone writing that like, when you look at Lorene and Tad, you see like Lorene constantly giving advice and Tad tuning her out. And that has resulted in Hannah being able to give advice, but being incapable of hearing it. And mm-hmm. I think that like the way that this show tracks her parents to her and like how that how their parenting would affect her is really, really high level and something they should be giving a lot of credit for. Because I think oftentimes shows just like make quirky parents, but they don't necessarily think about like how their parents would actually affect the child. And the parents on this show are so clearly like drawn, like Marnie's mom is <laughs> Rita Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, is so clearly Marnie's mom and, and Hannah's parents easily could result in Hannah and I think that's oh, great yeah well we see so many times over the show how Tad coddles Hannah he's always the one who's like giving her money and giving her secret advice and she always goes to him for advice on calls like when and he comes out to Iowa to visit her and everything I did like the deflection that Hannah does when she's hiking in the woods and that mm-hmm. insane oh my like, god monochie. oh my god the ugliest bikini right. of all time that, the way that she dresses is so insane it's oh yeah it's yeah it's hilarious the way, well I, with everyone else you're like oh that's so ugly it's so 2012 and then with hannah you're like no one would ever wear that like no. in the history like that's not yeah oh my god just a complete inability to like settle on an aesthetic or like figure out what works for you um, I remember, yeah, I remember very vividly, I-, I was watching an episode of Girls, like, pretty recently with a friend, and we were, like, we were pretty high, and she, like, got out of bed with Adam, and then she pulled on an outfit, and you got to watch her put together an outfit, like, make the choices, <laughs> and it was like watching a horror movie, like, she put on a shirt, and it was so <laughs> ugly, and then she put on uglier shorts that didn't go with the shirt, it was crazy to watch it happen. That's awesome. Yeah. That is exactly what we need to see on girls. Yeah. Putting on a shirt with plastic lizards on it. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Very <laughs> shorts. The lizard shirt. I love the lizard shirt. Like, 
I think this outfit was easily the most insane of this season so far. And yeah. I, this scene was sweet. Like she's supporting her mom by deflecting her absolutely delusional gay dad. Who's like, let's get back together still. Oh, um, yeah. But like, I just couldn't take my eyes off of the, and she's in those like water shoes too. Like yeah. water <laughs> shoes. Like that's her like athletic footwear of choice. I also love the callback to uh, the Beach House episode. Yes. Where yeah. he's wearing the... Inappropriately the- wearing bathing suits. Yeah, that's perfect. Like, she's never wearing a bathing suit when it's the right time to wear a bathing suit, which is yes. a perfect Hannah detail. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say something about the thing about Tad and him reflecting back on her now. I do think that he reflects back on her relationship with Elijah because she... Mm. responds really poorly to Elijah giving her any advice like when they when they are like two people squawking at each other about how much they love each other and how much every decision they make is good like this relationship is working perfectly and the minute either one of them gives any advice it goes down the toilet immediately mm-hmm. that's yeah. a really good that's a really really good point um so moving on a little bit this is finally we get to Lena Hall who's a yoga instructor um who compliments hannah and like tells brendan scott jones to leave her alone um she calls hannah luscious which is i hated that i like i i I was like a turtle going back into my shell when i heard that (laughs) yeah that was rough you're way too luscious to be with the with the excuse me you're way too luscious to be with the wrong guy which i mean i don't even know if I would like that if it was said by the right person, you know? I don't want mm-hmm. anyone calling me luscious, I think. Well, Hannah mm-hmm. clearly does, though, because this kind of incites her into taking the retreat a little bit more seriously for at least one iconic dance scene. Yeah. This is, I didn't, for whatever reason, it slipped my mind that this episode was the one with the <laughs> dancing scene, one, one of the absolutely... <laughs> most memed scenes of girls and i also forgot that the actual music in this scene was all hands on deck by tanache <laughs> incredible yeah really really good like if you told me that all hands on deck was the fan edit of this scene like that's just like a song some like tanache stand put in like i'd be like sure but it's the actual one and that really mm-hmm. i like squealed um this show is like such like I've just been watching it and just like that, which has the worst needle drops of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like oh, so bad. Wait, when is this episode coming out? Uh, Friday. So we okay. So there is yeah. an awful needle drop in this week's episode of and just like that. Uh, oh, and okay. it like made my skin crawl so incredibly that I, I it really like affected my body. And then to be on a show that is so good at, to watch a show that is so good at needle drops, it was a real change. Yeah, I, I'm loving and just like that this season. Like I've I think Me I've been too. fully brainwashed, but uh-huh. the Wait. yeah, the music in general really drives me nuts. Needle drops aside, like the original score is so like fiddle DD, like yeah. goofy hijinks music compared to the old that's music. the show. At no, but like, yeah. the it's old the old music was good. Jazzy, like course, Cosmo yeah. music. Like it's but like it's hotel like, lounge. They needed yeah. this kind of completely different soundscape because it's just can i universe it's not sexy can i spoil for you what the needle drop is like wait oh yeah cut out that this is illegal because like it'll be out by then it'll be just like this is illegal right now but by the time the episode comes out it won't be perfect it's the episode ends on michael buble's feeling good no oh (laughs) but it is perfect for the universe yeah no they're right like those women would listen to that but it's like carrie and aiden like like smooching to feeling good by awful i yeah i don't know yep and look i used to work in music licensing i know how expensive that must have been oh yeah, they wanted it. They wanted and it's like it, the and end of the episode, too. so much money for that. Like, come on. Yeah, and meanwhile, Naya's fucking to have mercy. Anyway. Oh, oh God. Uh, okay, yeah. that's actually almost worse. That's actually almost worse. I'm like, oh, my God. Are you so... Um, l- look, I love this show. I'll watch 20 more seasons if they do it. But yeah, it's such an embarrassment. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. On every level. Um, 
so going back to our embarrassing girls <laughs> hannah and lorene go to dinner with the caffies um mm-hmm. and hannah's like immediately checks out again because she's like not you know talking about herself and she's around old women which she can't stand so i really yes. love the round table here of all the women sharing their like how they handle salt content in their food <laughs> and the one of the Kathy's says like she I think I wrote this down correctly she worked out too hard that she almost drowned for the from the inside or like she mm-hmm. hydrated too much I, I got the she did say she drowned from the inside and then Hannah goes I've always been saying that water is like poison <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good oh my god so yeah that's they have and I also love how they all hate Coco like I I like that they all the like the grace note that they all hate Coco because like probably because she's younger than them is like a really 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 good point yeah they're they're sisters in that yeah I like the detail from earlier though Coco was a yoga instructor but not the yoga instructor at the retreat (laughs) yeah yeah. she does like she does cycling classes and also yoga, but not, <laughs> not here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So Hannah dips out on this retreat, or like on this part of the retreat, and ends up doing chiropractic exercises in a sauna with Holly, which also it. seems medical, medically unsafe. Like, yeah, yeah, unsound. Um. Of course, it ends with um, like oh, oh okay, no, no. Before we get. Holly airplanes Hannah like does the airplane feet <laughs> on Hannah's bare stomach and that image <laughs> will stick with it me. was awful it was I mean it's just so it looks so funny it was it was perfect like slap and it was perfectly shot where they like are like like you see Lena Hall like holding up and you're like is that what they're doing and then like and you're like they can't show this can they and then they do and you're, and you're oh. like whoa yeah. Oh, oh, did not expect that. Um, <laughs> and then after the uh, after the airplaning, uh, Lena or Hannah falls on her, and you know they start making out, and Hannah eats Holly out, and uh, consent boundary <laughs> is crossed. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, Hannah is complaining because it's too hot. They're in a sauna, right? That's what that mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah. They're in. Yes. A, I I could not imagine. Like I, I don't do well in the heat, and that just does not seem, um, does not seem like it'd be healthy for me. But she's like, it's really hot. I think I need to stop. And uh, Holly's like, just give me thirty seconds. And Hannah's like, I really can't do thirty seconds. <laughs> it's, uh, it's rough. Yeah, and then yeah. Holly ends up finishing herself off, and then like screaming and crying. And H- even Hannah's like, whoa. <laughs> like, Hannah's yes, <looks> disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> It is disgusting. Like it's wild. The, you know, as someone who used to live in LA, um, the subset of people who think yoga is foreplay is rampant, and they're the worst mm-hmm. kind of person. And I thought this was excellent representation for this uniquely awful uh, subset of human being. Um, Lena Hall, a great comedic actor. I don't know why they don't do more stuff on TV. Yeah, she's great. Like, I think she's really lovely. And I was, like, surprised. I, like, went back and tried to find op-eds on this. And I was like, wow, the discourse had really died by this time on Girls. Because it, it really does feel like if they showed, like, a lesbian kiss, like, where, but the girl is not actually queer on an early season of Girls, like, it would have caused a firestorm. But mm-hmm. by this time, like, Girls' discourse had really quieted down, which I think is for the best. People because the show could just keep being good and like off to the side like it was just good over there uh as opposed to being like the buzziest show on tv yeah for i watched this episode yesterday and did our structure doc today not to you know peek into the how the sausage is mm-hmm. made um and i went back for chronological purposes to organize this um to a review that was written unbeknownst to me by one of my nearest and dearest friends, Mark Snedeker for Entertainment Weekly. Um, and he just referred to this as another weird sex scene. And I'm like, yeah, I guess like if you've been inundated with weird sex scenes on the show for years and years and years at this point, it yeah. would just be like another weird sex scene. Pretty commonplace. Like, 
yeah, it was like, I was like not shocked by it. I was not like, and I don't think it, the show wanted you to be shocked necessarily. Like it wasn't asking you to be like, whoa, like what's going on? Like it just felt like a girl experimenting, which is pretty normal. Right. Yeah. And like the blurred consent aspects of this is something that the show has done several times before. Um, so yeah, I mean, it felt like, for as weird as this scene was and like as atypical as Hannah's behavior is in this scene like it doesn't really feel thematically out of place with what the rest of the show kind of tries to do and I I mean I would argue and hopefully successfully that this wasn't even the weirdest sex scene this episode (laughs) like we'll get to that one oh my gosh we should yeah yeah. perfectly um I did want to pick brains on I did read an, I remember reading an AV Club review of this episode when it came out where, that complained about, um, or I, I guess complained, but like pointed out how much Hannah's Fran storyline mirrors Charlie, uh, Marnie and Charlie's storyline from the first oh, yeah. two seasons where it's like, oh, I don't know if I want him to be that nice, but I, I don't think it works for me because it's like Fran really is just nice. Like he's not kind. He's just nice. And Charlie in those early seasons was kind, just lame. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I I think it is a different kind of nice guy. And I think that the way that they're like examining the different kind of nice guys was actually quite artful. Yeah. Like I find Fran to be such a hateable character. And I do, I do, I think your articulation of him as nice, but not kind is hit the nail on the head. Perfect. Like, um like I would argue he, that like, like Tad kicks over like her that grammar. too. Yeah. Annoying. Yeah. Um back of the table, the Kathy's are really depressing Loreen. <laughs> um one I don't remember whether it was Kathy with the K or Kathy with the C, but she says, just give me a good book and a bottle of wine, and there you have it. The perfect morning. I love um, perfect morning. <laughs> that killed me. Also, such a good like mom joke too like that could be on a marshall's sign pretty easily yes. good sign and i um, would buy it i thought it was so interesting how all the wives thought that loreen still having tad even though he's gay like that made loreen an object of jealousy because they yes. still have a relationship it's not like and it's not too acrimonious even though it kind of is and he's not dead so that's more than what the rest of them have yeah i mean yeah i i it definitely also informs lorraine's decision later you know she's like it's not all she hears these stories from the other women about how you know it's it's not like you're going on these fantastic dates and even if you do go on a fantastic date you come home and you have crabs or whatever that <laughs> yeah. one woman says. I was, uh, or it was herpes, and I was like, herpes, I'm yes. sorry. Oh, you guys, this sh- like this show, I will say this show does not understand STDs that well. No, this is a no, critique. No, no, no. Their, their <laughs> vision of STDs is that your life is like, and I'm always like, I don't think you understand the different levels of STDs. Like, I mm-hmm. really think you don't understand it. I don't think it's the characters because you are telling stories about people who are receiving STDs and their lives are over and these are not serious STDs. Yeah. I'm sorry. That is it true. Would, it would be funny but, if know, someone on the... To, to Lorene. Yeah, to but like, hearing, who's like who is it burning up with like a fierce fervor over herpes? Like, it's not <laughs> that bad. I'm sorry. True. It's herpes. <laughs> Calm down. It would be funny if someone on this show um, got like terminal crabs or something. <laughs> like, that would, that would... like, how does chlamydia never come up on this? Like, does anyone get chlamydia? I don't think so. Like, I don't think so. Like, chlamydia would come up. I'm sorry, it's Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean the the closest we get to like a medical emergency, like a sexual, it's not sexually transmitted medical dis- Well, Hannah emergency. gets HPV in the first season. Well, I was like, oh yeah, she does. And I was going to say oh, Hannah gets pregnant, did. which is not an infection. It's a child. <laughs> so. you could well, yeah. And like, infection. and that's the same. And then, yeah, I mean, Hannah has HPV and also Jessa has a miscarriage, which is not treated seriously. Yeah. Uh, but, but like, I think that's accurate to the characters, but I do think that the show doesn't really understand STDs um that is one critique i have of it 
yeah, but also I... that's like generally 2013 television like there's that inside amy schumer sorry sketch where she's like praying with god that she doesn't actually have herpes and i was like i'm sorry this should clearly be like the way that you're acting like this should be gonorrhea yeah like calm down like one in seven people has genital herpes it's normal and there's an episode of broad city too that also um it, like herpes is like the be all end all sti basically and it's like yeah but also 2014 too like maybe in 2014 yeah. people there was like herpes people anxiety. were really scared about herpes but the there was a really sad line at the end um of the Lorene Hannah scene where she's talking about her prospects as an older woman um what am I gonna do go on a dating app even if I fell in love, what then? We'd have two years of passion at best. Then he would get Alzheimer's or prostate cancer. And there I am draining his catheter for the rest of my life. Oh, that, A man I don't even know. That hurt. Like, that just really the prostate, you know? It's a really real look at, I don't know, how, I guess, like, the prospects of an older woman and, like, how you're looking at your life at that point. Well, I would assume I'm, I'm not yeah. at that point yet but <laughs> yeah we have our I, know, I like that this show like i like that they are interested in girls of all ages like that yeah. is like they are interested in that i like this kind of like i i thought i don't know what your thoughts were on the the plot line where jessica got asked to kill that older woman but oh my like God, yeah like they are they do do a good job of showing girls a variety of ages and like full perspectives I, I think this is definitely like one of the first times I ever saw like an older woman naked on screen is the show yeah um, for sure yeah yeah and I mean the button of the scene is Hannah saying maybe you guys did fuck me up after all which felt like an inappropriate response to me but also classic Hannah like yeah like, she listens to her mom talk and, like, say some crazy shit. And then she's like, oh, my God, how would this affect me? Cause yes, it's yeah. very much that. Should we move on to Jessa? Because. Yeah. Yeah. So she and Adam are having, you know, what appears to be great sex for them. Uh, role playing it's, as. She's teeny. certainly a better match for Adam sexually than Hannah was. Exactly. They're so on the same page, clearly. It's just such a classic early season Adam sex scene. Um, yeah, Except she's into it and gets it and she can do the long form improv. Exactly. Yeah. Long form improv. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, they're role playing as teenagers who accidentally get pregnant and uh, Jessa puts on this American accent. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, that's oh, yeah. What she's doing, right? She's like... <laughs> You have to. Uh, no, that's. A Brit- I'm not going to try to. No. Doing a British person doing an American accent is a really big ask, I think, of anyone. Well, that kind of is Jemima Kirk's normal day to day accent, true. I would argue. Like, she's no the only point. Kirk in that family who talks with a British accent, except for the one who's actually British. Right. So, that Before. performance. Love that. Um, I, I mean, I didn't really think a lot of, you know, the scenes with her half sister who is I guess crazier than Jessa like she slept with Jessa's birth father um oh yeah but somehow thinks that Jessa is not responsible enough to like get money to go fix her life and be a therapist and go to school or just doesn't want to give her her money I feel like is also like is selfish maybe I don't know this felt like moving Jessa like wanting like this was like well we need to do something to show how serious Adam and Jessa are getting yeah and like yeah. it was nice that she introduced him as her boyfriend and I thought the scene of Adam defending Jessa and offering to pay for her schooling was like sweet if a little and you know, like obviously unrealistic like I think it's supposed to be unrealistic um I yeah know. I just felt like it was one of those things where like they needed to do a table setting episode where they move the Adam Jessa relationship along but also they didn't want to reveal that relationship to any of the other characters yet yeah because like, we're so coming it, up on that episode where the it right. does get revealed and one of what i think is the best scenes of girls too so i'm very excited to cover that but like i forgot how much oh, the finale of the season 
is so good too. The finale where she goes on the moth, so good. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of but, um. You know, like they they inch this relationship along so slowly this season, and it's the one yeah. thing that I, I think this season is marvelous, like one of the best of girls. Um, but this plotline is the one thing that for me is a little bit more stagnant, especially when you compare it to something like Shosha's plotline, which yes. is so well thought out, um, so like considered and how like it gives shows like the freedom to be herself but also like lets her make mistakes but these mistakes aren't world-ending ones they're just like you know complex messy mistakes like it feels like simple plotting versus like you know this complex like big stuff that they're trying to do everywhere else mm-hmm. yeah the show in japan is like one it's just, it, it's perfect like everyone yeah. like it's acclaimed everyone knows shows in japan is just incredible right Yes. Oh, so, yeah. Should we get into that side? I don't really yeah, have, I have nothing else left to say about Jessa. Yeah, that I agree. Let's move on. Shoshin Japan is just a better, better all around, better for the soul, better for the spirit. I love her working uh, as an assistant manager at Tokyo's second largest cat cafe. <laughs> She's really making the pivot. Um, and she and Yoshi are dating and she speaks really, uh, really good Japanese. Yeah, like compared to when we had Layla on to talk, or no, when we had Bobby on, when we had Bobby on to talk about um, Shosh in Japan the first time, like her Japanese has gotten so much better. I was so proud of her. Like whatever the like mm-hmm. 2015 equivalent of Duolingo is uh, really helping. Um, <laughs> I forgot yeah. that AD Bryant shows up in person and not just on Zoom. And I was thrilled to see her. Um, yes. Funniest part of the episode, easily. Yeah, for sure. I wrote um, down a f- like when she like comes up to Shosha in the cafe and like accosts her. Um, it's hard for me to see like this working in what is clearly a sex hut. <laughs> um, it's really good. Sex hut. Ad like Ad Bryant is so 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 funny. She has amazing lines here. She says, "Did you already? I don't. The you don't have to be nice to me. I know I took a spike dildo and I freaking rammed it right into your heart hole. That just seems like something she wrote in, right? Like she's so she's yep. so charming. I really love her. So charming. She's great on the show, and she, I think the idea of like having shows shows show someone around say that six times fast uh (laughs) japan as a way for her to be like forced to admit her own loneliness is a really smart way of going around it Mm -hmm. um because you get to like see her in her element in japan and then also see why it would be unfulfilling also the grace note of shosh like having to lie about actually about being a virgin now as opposed to lying before, as opposed to before when she was lying about not being a virgin is such a, like, great thing. It's so good. Yeah. Like, to watch what they've done with the character of Shosh over five seasons is really wonderful. Like, seeing this person who is, you know, willing to throw herself into unstructured experiences, whereas she used to have to, like, accidentally take crack to get out of her comfort zone (laughs) in season one. Mm -hmm. Um in like try on stuff that isn't for her like it is great and it feels a lot more especially as a contrast to the other three girls who are all you know trying on maturity to varying degrees of success back in New York like watching her get to have this really worldly not limited experience but also like have the freedom to make mistakes within it like it is you know, it's a great piece of character development for Shosh, but also just a really nice contrast for the show. Like, I feel like one thing that I really noticed is like how much you don't realize it really, but like how much they're. Is your audience like generally people who have already seen the show? I would I have so. to imagine. Yeah. Okay. Like how much they're setting up Shosh's season six, like ultimate, like leaving the friend group and it being normal like Mm because which is like one of the best things like 
I would say Shosha's arc is probably the best of the four girls. Um, even though I was complaining that she isn't in the show sometimes or like she exists in the context of the other girls. The fact that then you get that ending thing where she's existing completely out of context of the other girls is really, really good. And them showing her character development here and why she feels confident to live on her own, like without a friend group that had developed that was unhealthy is really, really good. And it does actually track between seasons for a show that sometimes forgets to, like if there's a critique of the show, like a larger one, like it sometimes forgets to set things up and then pay them off mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a pretty valid critique especially with the jessa character specifically i think at the home stretch yeah. like the last two seasons they really nailed yes. the character um i mean by pairing her off with adam which i think you know you could think a little bit deeper about like what that actually means i guess but like they're the first four seasons there's so many jessa plot lines that just like pick up and then we never talk about ever again um or like only mentioning that hannah applies to grad school like one time briefly and then having her get into iowa is like so like yeah i know it's supposed to be a surprise but like completely putting the making the audience in the dark about that is like kind of a lot yeah um is there anything else we want to talk about with the Shosh plotline I realized there wasn't actually that much going on with Shosh this episode beyond just like Aidy Bryant and the and the yeah. montage yeah it's mostly a Hannah episode um with some Shosh and Jessa sprinkled in yeah. I don't think I had anything else for Shosh no I Zosha Mamek continues to be like just a phenomenal phenomenal actor. her breakdown like, could go so poorly in another actress's hands like it mm-hmm. it could just be awful and unbearable and like or like just terrible acting because it's a big ask yeah, uh to have her ask. turn on a dime like that and she she really pulls it off i also really like the episode ending scene of her just walking mm-hmm. through the streets um with i don't know who sang it but the cover of life on mars that they had over it it was it was nice like um I don't know. I just love Shosh in Japan. Great. I could watch a whole show just that. Um, yeah. Julia, should we move on to our final segments? Wait, I did want to say, like, is this the first time they've had video over the final moments? I don't remember that. It's always just like a title card over the uh, the last yeah. song. And then in this, I was really struck by the fact that it was video. Anyway. Yeah, I that don't remember. That is something I have to think about because I, that sounds like you could be right but I, I don't want to say definitively. Yeah. Um, anyway, final segment. Final segment. So final. the the first question we ask at the end of every episode is which girl are you in this episode? In this episode? In this episode. Oh my God. Um, I want to be able to say yeah, I mean, I feel like I like I moved to a new city within the past nine months, so I feel like I do feel the most connected to Shosh, even though I'm not often crying and wanting to go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I understood being like like toward like bringing someone who doesn't live there around the city and being like, yeah, I know it here, and then being like, I don't know anything. <laughs> um, like later, like I do understand that, so I I would say I'm Shosh. I felt very Adamy this episode, which I don't usually do, but I am also uh, kind of an emotional guard dog as a boyfriend, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. If like my partner's getting slated or whatever reason, I really do go into like full defense mode. So um, that I felt very seen by that. So what about you, Julia? I felt Hannah, but like not in a way I can really pinpoint to something she said or did because I was you know I I didn't connect with the crazy monokini I didn't connect with the um <laughs> eating out the yoga leader or whatever uh but there's something about her I don't know kind of pouting at the table <laughs> really connected mm-hmm. with me yeah and kind of refusing to uh you know read between the lines uh with her mom's advice and making everything about me but all the, the these kind of unattractive parts of myself I'm like oh there there that is <laughs> mm-hmm. um all right next question 
fit check uh what was the outfit of the episode i mean i i said mine already it's that it's the monokini yeah that's (laughs) i think the monokini for sure but runner-up shosh in her little uh like uniform her little apron yeah yeah that's a really good clips i think those are the the top two for sure I also really liked the very Shosh-esque braids that A.D. Bryant got by the end of the episode. (laughs) She essentially got like the Shosh makeover, which um, was wonderful. And then final question, who was the MVP and who was the LVP of the episode? Mm, I feel like I want to go for MVP is A.D. Bryant maybe yeah um if like like it could be one of the girls but it's more fun to say ad bryant i feel like you've got to have a lot of mvps that are the girls and then and so i'll go ad i think she's really funny i think the character is like a great way to have shosh realize something um just because she reflects back on shosh in a way that other characters don't like she is more chipper than any of the like actual girls like if you had sent marnie to japan like, you might have been able to bring Shosh home with that, but it would have sucked. Like, mm-hmm. it would have been awful, you know? Like, and I think having someone who is as, who has the ability to be as chipper as Shosh in there, and, like, that's the thing that brings her home when she doesn't really feel that, like, as excited as she's pretending to be with the reflection of her is a, a really good thing. So I was really happy that it was her that was there. Um, LVP, I'm going to go Jess's really annoying sister, who I didn't like, and I didn't like her character. Yeah, she was really annoying. Um, I think I can agree with you actually on A.D. Bryant as the MVP. I did, another line that really stood out to me was her telling Shosh that how much she disliked Japan at first. Like she would go into McDonald's and just sit and wait for the day to end, (laughs) which is so funny. Um, If we're picking a main girl as MVP, I would say Jessa actually, because having Adam as your advocate um and having like great sex for them like that seems like within the the low low bar of a girl's victory that seems like a victory um yeah good sex is a real victory on this show there is not a lot of it. <laughs> not a lot um i i said my lvp was shosh just because um i think she's you know she just seems like she's in the most distressed out of everyone Yeah, I honestly, I, I want to combine all your answers. I feel like, I don't know, I, maybe Hannah's the LVP here. She's she's not learning a ton. She's kind of just yeah. falling. Into, she, she might even be regressing at uh, spring queening. And then honestly, maybe MVP is Lorraine. Like she's she's made a decision and she seems comfortable with it. Yeah yeah it's it's a weird decision but it is probably the right one for her yeah and she can dish. Yeah. you know you can dish with your gay husband that's exactly. you know that sounds fine that's what's fun enough you know what? and she'll be able you know and if you're only going to get two potential years of passion anyway with someone else you might as well just go for the person that you want to like i don't know like grow old with when you yeah. like you know and they can yeah. be swingers. Like, I think Lorene should, I think they should have an open marriage. Open yeah. marriage with a Fair gay way. husband. That could be okay. You can still have the two years of passion and then you don't have to like clean him. That is yeah. so, there are ways, there are ways around this. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being here today. This was a joy. I mean, for such a, um, a, the appetizer that that was this episode uh we really made a full meal out of it so thank you for being (laughs) here for it of course um where can people find you on social media if you'd like to be found oh sure um you can find me on twitter at jason spank or on instagram at jason spank uh otherwise um you know add me on linkedin i don't check it that often but feel free I think that's the first LinkedIn plug we've ever had at the end of the episode. I like was on it today because I I was I I'm in a very girls twist. I became like very obsessed with learning what someone in my, uh, in my college graduating class at Brandeis was up to. Sometimes that's, that happens. 
Yeah. You just have to. Sometimes know. you need a full search. And their Instagram, like, it's not like in high school, you could be able, like, when you wanted to know, like, someone from your high school, like, where they went to college, they would have it in their Instagram bio. Now you have to check LinkedIn if you want to find out what job they're doing. Yeah. I I will thank the creators of LinkedIn for making it a little easier to anonymously stalk people on LinkedIn, too, mm-hmm. because now it doesn't, it used to show that you yourself, like, your full profile had searched someone, and now it just shows the organization where you work which is still like a lot of information or whatever but yeah it's better than it once was no, no, no. like i used the to be terrified the, of linkedin are you logged in on safari why well, am on google Chrome. i haven't been logged on on safari oh since you have to go on six go on it on your phone on safari and then they if you're not logged in so you can just see it and there's no profile yeah if you go like i'm not checking people out on the app i don't want them to know I've oh my gosh them. yeah wow um so you heard it here folks this is the espionage <laughs> corner on today's uh girls yeah, room. oh yeah we're saying, keeping yeah. it in um and if the nsa <laughs> hears this and picks you up for uh more cybersecurity tips from you um yeah. let them because yeah, that, that, that was genius check out those ex-boyfriends of yours who you were protecting like a dog with at for at at will incredible incredible yeah um well until next week we'll we will see everyone for panic in central park and yeah have a good week and get some sleep <laughs> thank you for I, listening I, to this episode and not just skipping it and waiting to get to panic in central yeah, park yeah thank, yes, thank you thank you thank you and rate and review please all right <laughs> bye bye